Xbox On. Hello and welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 22nd, 2019, including Halo Infinite's creative director has left 343 Industries. Another Xbox game is coming to Nintendo Switch, a whole lot of stuff just got announced during Gamescom 2019, and much, much more, so let's just get right in. I would just like to start off this week's episode by mentioning some PS4 news that happened this week that is actually kind of tangentially related to Xbox, and that is, of course, the big, massive news that is Sony acquiring Insomniac. Uh, this is, like I said, this is just really big news because Insomniac and Sony have kind of been really close partners since pretty much the beginning of both uh, Insomniac and PlayStation's history. So, I mean, every Insomniac game up until Sunset Overdrive was either a PlayStation exclusive or just or, or uh, available on PlayStation at the very least in, in the case of games like Fuse. So this is just a massive get for Sony. Uh, you know, people in the industry have said that Sony had for years tried to get Insomniac to come and be uh, a Sony brand, but, you know, they Insomniac insists on being independent. Um, but, you know, with that aside, what makes this news so notable for Xbox gamers is, of course, uh, you know, during Insomniac's kind of uh, not so much a departure, but kind of their exploration away from that close relationship they have with Sony back in the um, early mid 2010s period. We saw them, you know, partner with Microsoft at the beginning of the Xbox One generation to create Sunset Overdrive, which, for those who haven't played it, let me just say is easily the number one most underrated game on Xbox One period. Um, it's a console exclusive. If you haven't played this game and you own an Xbox One, you're doing yourself a massive disservice. Uh, but if, essentially, it's like this kind of smaller open world Tony Hawk's pro skater meets Ratchet and Clank game where you just like the traversal is insane and you just just this fluid kind of Tony Hawk style of like running on walls, grinding on wires and stuff. And obviously... That's not what you do in Tony Hawk, but it feels almost like skateboarding, yet you're moving on your feet. So actually, I'd, I would say the, the movement kind of feels like a combination of Titanfall meets Tony Hawk, but it's such a great game. and You get these crazy weapons uh, that are very reminiscent of the kinds of guns you might find in Ratchet and Clank, um, and it's just such a blast of a game. Uh, but what does this mean for the future of Sunset Overdrive now that Insomniac is owned by Sony? Well, one might assume that's just it, and uh, it, Sunset Overdrive is dead and gone. Now, it doesn't actually end just like that, because if you'll remember back uh, to the early days when Insomniac decided to partner with Microsoft, the reason why they went with Microsoft in the Xbox One instead of PlayStation for the very first time as a as an exclusive game is because Sony wanted to own own the IP of whatever property Insomniac next Insomniac next worked on. Uh, however, Insomniac wanted to own their own IP and therefore went to Microsoft because Microsoft allowed Insomniac to hold and keep the rights to Sunset Overdrive if they were to make and release that game exclusively on Xbox. So that being said, uh, this is where things get a little fuzzy. I believe Microsoft owns the rights to pu publish the first Sunset Overdrive game on console so basically what that means is 
Uh, it can't be released on PlayStation 4, but uh, because Insomniac still owns the IP itself, that wouldn't stop them from being able to make, say, a Sunset Overdrive 2, which could, would be a, a PlayStation 4 exclusive or PlayStation 5 exclusive, whatever. But maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something I don't know about where Insomniac can actually re-release the first Sunset Overdrive on PlayStation. Maybe that's somehow included in this acquisition. I don't know, uh, but I think this is just important because, you know, Sunset Overdrive, even though it didn't sell like crazy and it, it doesn't leave like a huge legacy behind it for X, the Xbox community, uh, it's just a really underrated game that I think critics uh, really adored and people who did play it really adored. Um, and it's just really, I think, an important game, especially to the early history of the Xbox One, which is an important time when, you, you know, Xbox wasn't as favorably viewed as it as it had been prior or even how it is now. So it's just, I don't know, it was, in my opinion, the brightest thing happening in the world of Xbox in a time, in a very dark time for Xbox history. Uh, and it's just sad to see that, you know, now it looks like there's no hope for a future of Sunset Overdrive, at least on Xbox. Uh, however, if you are a fan of the game, it looks like maybe there is a future for the game on Sony's hardware, but you never know. Uh, the, the the man, his name escapes me now, but the, the guy at Insomniac who kind of uh, shepherded the idea of Sunset Overdrive actually no longer works at Insomniac because he went to work for Microsoft at the initiative, that new uh, quadruple-A studio that Microsoft is uh, is gearing up. Um, with a new with a new game they just they just formed in Santa Monica so um, a little bit of a long-winded one but I just wanted to start off this week by mentioning some PlayStation news that actually uh, kind of ties into some Xbox history and potentially some Xbox news uh, so that's an interesting one and of course I as someone who's a massive fan of Insomniac I would say you know despite being an Xbox fan Insomniac is easily top three favorite game developers or Developers of all time for me. The Ratchet and Clank games are super special to me. Uh, Resistance is a great shooting game. Uh, I used to love the Spyro games as a kid. And of course, um, Sunset Overdrive is one of my favorite Xbox One exclusives. You, you know, it's probably right up there with Halo 5 and maybe, I don't know, Quantum Break. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you haven't played that, let, let Sony's acquisition of Insomniac be an excuse for you to finally delve into that incredible game that is Sunset Overdrive if you have not done so already. Uh, and now with that long-ass housekeeping kind of quasi-news story out of the way, let's jump into the actual Xbox news for this week. All right, let's start this week with the biggest Xbox news story uh, to have dropped in quite a while, and that is that Tim Longo, creative director of Halo Infinite, has left 343 Industries with roughly one year left until the game's launch. Uh, Longo served as the creative director on Halo 5, and before that, he led as the creative team uh, lead sorry, behind Star Wars Republic Commando, uh, which I think released sometime around 2005. Uh, it's one of the more well-received Star Wars games. However, the campaign with Halo Infinite uh, will continue to be developed now under the leadership of Mary Olsen, who is the executive producer. However, in response to Kotaku, 343 reached out uh, after to a question, responded to a question, and said that, quote, the overall creative vision and production of the game remains led by Chris Lee, the studio head of Halo Infinite. And so this is, you know, this, this story kind of, like, uh, you know, light lit the internet on fire and did one of those um, kind of, oh, you know, this game's screwed. Halo Infinite's in bad condition. Halo isn't as good as it used to be. 343 doesn't know what they're doing, yada, 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 that kind of bullshit. And if you could really drown out the noise and think about this story seriously for a minute, you'll see that really um, 
the way 343 kind of structures their studio is a little different from a traditional game studio. And it seems like not now I'm not trying to say that Tim Longo's role as creative director wasn't important by any means, because of course, you know, title like direct creative director is extremely important. Uh, however, I don't think this is the kind of role where like this guy had the vision and was running the whole thing and then decided to leave in the middle of development and now the studio is screwed. I think I, I believe three, four, three, I don't see this as kind of a PR like cover up to make this look less bad by saying Chris Lee, the studio head of, Inf of Halo Infinite is overall uh, doing the creative vision for the product. I really think there's a lot of truth to that and that there is a collective kind of vision and, and idea for what Halo Infinite is supposed to be. And there's no way I see this being like one man's specific vision for the game. That also being said, games in their final year, this is coming from someone who knows Jack Squad about, you know, how video games are made. Uh, but from what I can gather anecdotally, it seems like in the last year of development, you know, you have your story down. You have these kinds of things done. Games really come together in terms of creating the levels and all these things. And so it's like, I think at this point, they have the general synopsis of what this game is and what kind of the main beats of the game are. And rather now it's more of, you know, the technical fidelity and building the game and kind of making it all work together and changing it from like some storyboarded jumbled mess of technology and turning it into a coherent and cohesive like final product of a game but you know we never know they spent so much of these past five years making halo infinite you know building this split slip space engine so who's to say you know how far along halo infinite really even is we know so little about the game that it can be hard to you know really have a grasp over where the where the project stands overall however i guess this is a long-winded way of saying I really just don't see this as being the kind of end-all be-all that audiences are saying. I think let's first take a look at what the game looks like. Let's wait to see some gameplay, which unfortunately won't probably be until next E3. I just don't see, you know, after the the reception to Halo 5's campaign, which was led by Tim Longo uh, with the kind of four-player cooperative story that came with Halo 5 that people seem to really really sour on I don't see a, a world in which 343 trusted the same guy again to then lead Halo Infinite which let's be, let's be let's think for a second you know this is the game Bonnie Ross said is the spiritual reboot to Halo this is their way of saying we're continuing the Halo story but we're totally going to take a step back from Halo 5 look at why you guys didn't like a lot of aspects and say how can we not only come back stronger this time but also reinvigorate the brand in a way that reminds people why Halo is one of the absolute biggest names in gaming history and why it's not just another AAA game. You know, it's it's something, it's a force to be reckoned with and it's something that everyone in the gaming sphere should take note of when Halo is happening because it's a big deal. So with that being said, there's no way in hell that this one guy was solely responsible for the entire creative vision and, and direction of the product. And I just don't see his sole departure as being detrimental to the game overall. Uh, again, I know shit about I don't know shit about game development, and I could be dead wrong. And maybe this game comes out and is totally rough as hell because they lost some key talent. But again, I just don't see that being the case. And I think really, while it, I don't blame you for having some apprehension over something like this, 
I just think you should be patient and wait to see how the game looks and just give it some more time before we pass judgment saying that Halo Infinite is screwed as a result of losing this one person. Uh, that being said, you know, I wished him the best in whatever he goes on to do next. And uh, I mean, at this point, I'm just I'm so tired of talking about Halo Infinite in vague terms. It's like we've manifested into existence, you know, what this game is supposed to be without actually really having a concrete understanding of it due to a lack of gameplay footage. So, I mean, I'll always be up for talking Halo, but in the same breath, I've just show me this game already. <laughs> All right. Our next story um, is actually these are two different stories that happened kind of throughout the week, and I think they kind of work in conjunction together to discuss. Uh, the first part of the story, of course, being that during Gamescom, or right before, rather, Nintendo held a uh, Indie Direct, uh, highlighting a bunch of upcoming games for the Nintendo Switch, and you might be asking, well, this is an Xbox podcast, why the hell are you talking about Nintendo? Well, during that Switch Indie presentation, uh, the Xbox exclusive... Or in the Blind Forest uh, was announced for the Nintendo Switch as a definitive edition that will be releasing on September 27th. Uh, and so this one really threw me for a loop because, you know, up until this point, we've seen these games that are both on Xbox and other platforms, uh, and there's always been an excuse for it. For example, Minecraft was already on pretty much everything before Microsoft bought Minecraft. So why would Microsoft take it away from people by removing it from PlayStation, removing it from Nintendo, whatever? Even I guess it came to Nintendo after Microsoft bought them, but you get the idea. And then, you know, we look at games like Outer Worlds where it's like, well, Obsidian was well into development of that game before Microsoft bought them. So of course they're going to let them release the PlayStation 4 version of the game and not just have them scrap it all together. But, you know, we expect for future installments that uh, for future games from Obsidian that they'll be Xbox exclusive, right? Um, well, this one kind of throws everything for a loop because Ori in the Blind Forest has clearly been out for a number of years already. So they are just re-releasing a game that was very firmly, very concretely an Xbox exclusive onto a competitor's platform, which initially sent that kind of like, I told you so, watch watch Xbox. They're going to start, you know, really testing where they can put their games because they're really redefining kind of what Xbox can be and where Xbox games can be played. But then, uh, shortly afterwards, I think within a day, Microsoft came out and spoke with Games Industry and basically came out saying that uh, Xbox games aren't going to be uh, showing up on on other platforms regularly, at least, especially their big first-party games. So I'm just going to read through this real quick. Uh, some notes I wrote down in a quote. I said, despite the recent shakeups in uh, Xbox games releases due to new studio acquisitions and prior commitments between various Microsoft-owned game studios and other publishers, it appears that players should not expect to see the trend of Xbox games on competitor hardware uh, continuing. Save for the exceptions of games like Minecraft, The Outer Worlds, Pillars of Eternity 2, and other games that are either already in development or for platforms that are um, that were already in development well before Microsoft purchased them. In a recent report from Games Industry, Microsoft responded by saying, quote, the past year has been an exciting time for us and we have been um, more than doubled our internal creative, creative teams making up Xbox Game Studios. As these new studios transition in, we are aware of some existing commitments to other platforms and will honor them. However, going forward, these new studios will focus on making games for our platforms. 
We have no plans uh, to further expand our exclusive first-party games to other consoles, and we continue to believe deeply in cross-play and progression of games with the right flexibility for developers to ensure a fair and fun experience. All right, so I don't know how to break this one down without getting a little um, conspiracy-driven, so this is my two cents. Microsoft doesn't plan on taking your Halos and Forzas and Gears of Wars and putting them on PlayStation Nintendo. Maybe someday down the road, uh, that is something they're looking forward to doing. They're looking into doing. Um, however, for the time being, they're saying if it's like a big uh, Xbox game that is synonymous with Xbox, you can expect it to be Xbox exclusive, which of course includes PC these days. Um, but you know, you're not getting the next Halo on PlayStation. However, when the time calls for it, you might see the some smaller games show up on other platforms. And we see that with games like Cuphead or In the Blind Forest. And then, of course, the exceptions for games like Minecraft, like I just said, when it was already on other platforms before Microsoft bought it. Now, how do you justify something like Cuphead or, or In the Blind Forest ending up on Nintendo Switch when these games were finished and developed initially only for Xbox and uh, or have since been moved over to Switch? Well, the only thing I can think of is, you know... Maybe Microsoft was the one, and this is where I'm getting all conspiracy, big stretch kind of idea, which is that, you know, let's rewind back to last year when Microsoft was all, hey, look at us and Nintendo. We play nice together. Fortnite, it's cross-play. Sony, where, why aren't you doing this? You know, when they were kind of forcing their Sony's hand to make them look bad and to kind of give that good press to Microsoft and, and you know, also Nintendo by a... By virtue of this kind of partnership what i almost wonder is if nintendo had initially said to microsoft you know we're not into this idea of cross-play cross-platform and microsoft kind of had to wean them onto it by saying hey we'll be friends we'll play nice what's it going to take to get you to let us do this and maybe they came to a compromise or a deal where microsoft would agree to release a certain number of xbox games on nintendo hardware which ended up being, you know, some of these smaller bite-sized indie type games uh, like your Cupheads and your um, Ori in the Blind Forest and things like that. And that, that, you know, that could be an explanation. So Microsoft has been slowly kind of playing it off as like, you know, we're friends with Nintendo. We love Nintendo. And, and when, the, when the game calls for it or when, when it makes sense to do so, we'll put, we'll put this game on, you know, this other hardware. The other way to look at this is Microsoft is just straight up lying. Um, so like I said, you know, think about this in terms of next generation where you think, well, the Xbox Scarlet, you know, games on Xbox Scarlet might be available on every console. But the whole purpose of the Scarlet is to say this is the most powerful place to play games. This is the platform that supports xCloud and Game Pass and Xbox Live. So we really think this is the premier place to play Xbox games. However, you know, if Nintendo or Sony's hardware and services can accommodate the Xbox experience, which is a powerful gaming machine, Xbox Live, Game Pass, whatever, all those things, then yeah, there's no reason why we won't release our games on their hardware. However, you know, for example, look at Nintendo Switch. What can Nintendo Switch play that is uh, Xbox exclusive? There's no way in hell you're getting Forza Horizon 4 on Nintendo Switch or Halo 5 on Nintendo Switch. It's just not happening. But, you know, you can get Cuphead on there. You can get or in the Blind Forest, and the experience isn't really compromised because those aren't games that really require Xbox Live. They're not really graphically in intensive games that, that are just vast and, and require beefier hardware. They're just smaller 2D indie-type games. So they work for Nintendo. Um, and so this could maybe be Microsoft's short-term game by saying, you know, for now, this is kind of what we're doing. But don't be surprised in the long run if, you know, Nintendo's next console is up to snuff with the Scarlet and can run 
it, and Nintendo decides they'll allow Xbox Live and Game Pass on their platform, and then all of a sudden you get Xbox games on Nintendo. Who knows? It's all it's it's more of Microsoft's way of saying balls in your court, Nintendo. Balls in your court, Sony. Will you allow your next console to be powerful enough and open enough to include our games and our services? You know. Who knows? There's a million ways this could go. I feel like right now, as we reach the end of this current console generation, we're at this juncture where we don't know which way it's going to go, and it's more of a uh, just wait and see kind of thing. But there's like that's why I offer a couple of solutions or a couple of theories as to what could be happening here, because I really don't know, and I think either Microsoft really doesn't know yet, and they're just kind of playing touch and go with it, or they have an end game in mind and they just are trying to market it and feed the consumer in a way that doesn't scare them off or have them doubt the Xbox brand as a whole. They're trying to piecemeal them and slowly feed them onto this idea, uh, which is the future of Xbox. Because, you know, an all at once approach, um, as we saw with the reveal of the Xbox One, uh, could potentially scare people away. And that's. That's a, a common thing that can happen when when you are a little too ahead of the curve and a little too visionary. Uh, you know, your audience might not be totally comfortable or on board with where you're going, and that can result in some backlash. Um, so, you know, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I know it seems like a very messy, out-of-control kind of uh, story that's that continues to develop, uh, but, you know, it seems like every couple of weeks we're hearing more and more about something like this, so I expect that we will continue to learn more and, and to see more of what xbox's overall strategy is going forward all right holy crap that was a long one and we are barely denting the news like i said this is a big news week especially with gamescom so going to our next one um it appears that phil spencer and the team at xbox have set some high standards for the performance of the next xbox console project scarlet as in a recent interview with GameSpot, Spencer said the following, quote, ensuring that the games load incre incredibly fast, ensuring that the game is running at the highest frame rate possible. We're also the Windows companies, so we see the work that goes on for PC and the work that developers are doing. People love 60 FPS or 60 frames per second, uh, so getting games to run at 4K 60 FPS, I think, will be a real design goal for, for us. He went on to say, how fast do games load? Do I feel like I can get into the games as fast as possible and when it's playing how does it feel uh does this game both look and feel like no other game that i've seen that's our target spencer says and then another quote he said towards the end of this this article i pulled from ign he he goes in further and says uh we we really like the reception um and the use that we've seen through the xbox one backwards compatibility program making sure that all four generations of content so the original xbox games will run on your xbox one today og xbox the 360 will run on your xbox one and your xbox one games and the newer generation of games all run on the next platform is important to us we want to respect that the games that you have bought from us we want to make sure that the generations can play with each other so if you happen to adopt the next generation early and somebody stays back uh, that if their games are on both platforms you'll be able to cross-gen play spencer explained so this is of course you know with these spencer stories they're a little hit or miss on whether or not they're going to kind of contain new nuggets of information or if they're just going to be kind of a re reaffirmation of something spencer's already uh, said you know kind of doubling down on something and this is a little both i see especially with the backwards compatibility stuff this seems like just kind of 
restating something he said before. However, with the uh, thing about the 4K FP 60 FPS, this seems a little new. Um, obviously, you, one might expect that that is the kind of target performance for a next-generation console, uh, but this is Spencer kind of coming out and saying it. It doesn't seem like this was is that prevalent of a conversation these days, but if you'll go back to late 2013, early 2014, back when the PS4 and Xbox One first launched, there was a lot of talk about how uh, PS4 games tend to generally run at 1080p, 60fps, no problem. A lot of Xbox One games seem to run at like 920p, not quite 1080p. Um, and some of them don't hit the 60fps as well because the PS4 is just slightly more powerful than the base Xbox One. Um, and of course, I think that's a lot of what prompted Microsoft to be so aggressive in making the Xbox One X the most powerful console it could be to kind of overcompensate for the launch of the Xbox One and say, hey, not only are we the most powerful, but we're the most powerful by a long shot. And I think they want to continue to keep that messaging and drive that point home going forward with Project Scarlet. So I would expect the next Xbox to be 4K 60 FPS with 90% of titles. I assume that's what they're going for is to try to make even the most ambitious projects uh, be able to hit that mark. Um, but this is just really nice to hear Spencer kind of affirm it um, because this will... Again, Xbox is in this position right now where not only, you know, when when you're the when you're in second place, when you're not the favored brand, you're in this position where your next console not only has to be impressive in the sense that it has to technologically be able to compete with the other big dog or surpass it, but you're also in this position where you have to make your platform more appealing by comparison of the other because, you know, Sony kind of has their their thing cut out for them, right? They're going to come to E3 next year or whenever they announce PS5 formally, and everyone already likes PlayStation because of PS4. So all they have to do is maintain the momentum they've built with PS4, which is to say an affordable price or reasonable price for the, the box. It's all about games, 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 and here are those games you're going to be playing. Gamers first, games, games. And then Xbox has to do more than that. Xbox can come out on stage and say, look at the Scarlet. It's just as powerful as the PS5, maybe even more so. We're all about the games. Here are all of our new studios and all the new games they're working on. Look at the Xbox Scarlet, right? It's all about the games. And that could still potentially not be enough for Microsoft because they're in second place. So I see this as kind of a given for Xbox that this should absolutely be like a default goal for them is to reach this because... To really impress next generation, they have to do more than just offer what Sony offers. They have to go above and beyond to win people back, to win back that that market share of people who had Xbox 360 back in the day that jumped over to PS4 during the current generation. You know, they have to really impress. And I think having something like 60 FPS 4K resolution be the standard for your console should be expected. Um, and I think audiences will be hoping and expecting more from Microsoft if they are to really take the next generation of Xbox as a serious threat and a serious one-to-one -one competitor for Sony's PlayStation 5. All right, so we're going to do this thing again where the next two stories are kind of interrelated, so let's talk about them in conjunction. And that is that Gamescom 2019, which took place in Germany this week, uh, has been going on, and we have gotten a ton of Gears 5 news. Um, so starting with the first story, Xbox has released a campaign story trailer for Gears 5, which you can easily find online if you look it up. While I won't spoil the details of the trailer for those who wish to go into the story entirely blind, just know that the trailer offers what is most likely the most in-depth look at the, what the players can expect to play this uh, September when the game releases. And it is probably the most in-depth look at the campaign since 
the game was initially revealed um, in E3 2018. Uh, continuing with the Gears 5 announcements, and I'll read this one directly from Xbox Wire. Um, at Gamescom 2019, we revealed that uh, the all-new Gears 5 Horde mode, which adds new gameplay features and ultimate abilities to the signature mode. Every Horde character will have a unique ability, ultimate ability. Um, this extends to crossover characters like Sarah Connor from the Terminator Dark Fate and Kat and Emil from the newly announced Halo Reach character pack. The Halo Reach character pack is included as part of the Gears 5 Ultimate Edition on Xbox One, Windows 10, and Steam, and with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Lastly, we confirmed that Gears 5 is now available for pre-purchase on Steam and will launch on all platforms at the same time. Gears 5 will, of course, be releasing on September 10th, and Game Pass Ultimate members, buyers, and buyers of the Ultimate Edition uh, will be able to play the game up to four days early. So this was kind of a really fun announcement. So first of all, the campaign trailer, it's about time. You know, the game's out in um, in just a couple of weeks, and we've seen so little on the campaign. That was nice to see. Uh, this campaign trailer, I felt like didn't go too deep into what the story beats were, which is fine, uh, but it showed a lot more campaign gameplay, and I was happy with that. The game looks great. I'm super excited for Gears 5. Uh, not much to say there other than, you know, go watch the trailer if you're interested in checking that out. Uh, however, Gears 5 Horde mode was a pretty big deal. Um, some people were wondering if that game mode wasn't going to return. I didn't really doubt that it would because, you know, it's just such a big part of the Gears of War experience. But Horde mode is returning. And to me, the most exciting part of all of that, you know, we knew about the Terminator um, skin or crossover character. But the big thing for me is the Halo Reach character pack, of course, as a huge Halo fan. This just looks awesome. If you haven't seen it, please go look up the trailer. Uh, please go look at the screenshots. The Cat and Emil skins look amazing. You have their weapons in there. They look awesome. And the cool thing is, as long as you have Game Pass Ultimate, you'll be able to get that. Um, so you don't have to get the Ultimate Edition of the game. Um, and so a lot of people are going to be able to take advantage of this little additional skin. Normally, I don't go in for pre-order bonuses or things like that, but this is just a really cool one. And it doesn't seem like just a cheap skin. It seems like they really went all in and bringing those characters into this game and kind of reimagining them for the Gears of War universe. And if you haven't seen screenshots or video of this yet, I must admit uh, Kat and Emil look quite fitting in the Gears of War universe. So props to the Coalition for pulling that off. Props to 343 for allowing that to happen. And props all around to everyone involved because this looks awesome. And that's definitely going to get me to try out some Horde mode um, for a game I would otherwise pretty much just play the campaign and move on with. So Gears 5, like I said, launching September 10th. I'm pretty excited for this game now. Between Gears 5 and Control, you know, I'm just... We're finally getting to that part of the year where, like, I'm getting excited about the games coming out. Uh, and I'm just... I can't wait to start playing some stuff. Although, as a tangent, I will say I'm... I am uh, kind of boycotting control for a little while until it drops in price uh, to protest their exclusive content that comes with the PlayStation version exclusively and not the Xbox version, despite the fact that the game costs the same amount of money on both platforms. That is bullshit, and I'm tired of uh, supporting that kind of thing, so I'll have to wait till that game drops in price before I can ever play it. But nonetheless, I'm still excited to play Control and Gears 5, as they are the two most prominent games uh, coming up in recent um, weeks and months. So, yeah, Gears 5, I mean, we've talked about it so much on the show lately, but definitely check out that Halo Reach character pack trailer because it looks awesome. Next story, if you're in the market for a new Xbox controller, you just got another two options, as Microsoft has just announced two new controllers releasing this fall. Coming out on October 8th for $70 is the Night Ops Camo Special Edition controller featuring a darker tone camo look for those of you that 
are into that sort of thing. Uh, the other controller releasing sooner on September 17th for $70 uh, is known as the uh, Sport Blue Special Edition. The controller features grooves and textures to accentuate the unique blue color scheme of the controller. This one looks a little, a, a lot cooler than the camo one in my opinion, but not as cool as my Halo 5 Spartan lock controller. So yeah, these two controllers are, are pretty cool. Um, as far as camo goes, I like the camo one, but I would never buy a camo controller, uh, but you might be into that sort of thing. So be sure to check that out on Xbox Wire or Amazon or the Microsoft Store as those are going to be available for pre-order soon as well as be available in the coming months or weeks. Um, the blue special one looks pretty cool. It has a lot of like textures and grooves on it. Um, so if you like those more unique controllers, not just for the color scheme, but for kind of like um, the accents and in ways they alter the actual controller itself, this one's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, this isn't big news. I just wanted to throw it in there because Xbox likes to come out with lots of controllers and I like to pat them on the back for doing so because I love just the sheer creativity and variety available to players. Uh, and there's something always fun about just blowing money you don't need to spend on a new video game controller. Um, but yeah, so moving on to our next actual kind of bigger story. It looks like Gears Tactics is coming to Xbox after all. If you were hoping to play Gears Tactics and hate having to play games on PC, you will be in luck as the Coalition has confirmed that the game will indeed be coming to Xbox, despite some initial concerns that the game would remain uh, PC only. Gears Tactics is an upcoming RTX XCOM-like game uh, Gears of War game in development from the Coalition. The game will, of course, be available on Game Pass when it releases, though no firm dates or extreme details have been released as of yet. This game kind of went dark after it was released, announced last year, and I'm a little confused as to how that happened, but, um, you know, we're still waiting to hear more. I think this is exciting to know that's coming to Xbox, though, uh, because, you know, I, I'm all for this, you know, everything cross-platform, but the idea of an Xbox game kind of being PC and not Xbox, like, console is just a little weird to me. So I'm excited that they addressed that and they were able to get an Xbox version up and running as well, uh, despite, you know, PC might being a, a preferred place to play an RTS game. I don't want to play on my PC, so I'm excited that I'll still be able to enjoy Gears Tactics on the Xbox, much like how I play Halo Wars on the console. So that is exciting news for all of you who were looking forward to Gears Tactics and are normal, rational human beings that like to play on a actual uh, video game console. Our next story is that we finally got a gameplay reveal trailer for Disintegration. You may remember this game from a couple of weeks or months ago. Uh, it was announced by the newly formed Studio V1 Studios, which is formed from a lot of X, Halo, and Destiny uh, talent. So my notes read as follows. Uh, V1 Studios has finally revealed the first gameplay video for Disintegration. The trailer shows some more cinematic footage uh, before delving into a bunch of gameplay, revealing an FPS with what the studio describes as tons of real-time tactical elements blended in. V1 is co-funded. Uh, V1 Studios was co-founded by Marcus Leto, the co-creator of Halo. And the team is comprised by former Halo and Destiny talent. In Disintegration, players will be able to control a grav cycle and shoot stuff up while commanding small squads of units uh, with varying abilities. The game looks somewhat familiar artistically, a lot kind of like Destiny, uh, but mechanically it looks pretty refreshing. The game will feature both a full single player campaign as well as some yet to be detailed multiplayer component. And of course, Disintegration will be released sometime next year in 2020. Um, now, this trailer, I highly recommend you check it out to all you Destiny Halo fans out there. This game looks really cool. Um, I don't 
you know, having finally seen the gameplay footage, I don't think I'm as hyped about it as I initially was when I learned about the game's existence. Um, but there's still a lot more to see. Um, it looks like you you're in this like kind of like ghost or or, or sparrow looking thing. You know, ghost if it, if you're a Halo fan, sparrow if you're a Destiny fan. Uh, it looks kind of like that, but it's more of like a war mech thing. So think Titanfall, but it's like kind of first person shootery, and then you have like this squad of like three to four units that you can also like kind of control while you do the bulk of the action. So it seems like it's pretty interesting mechanically. We'll see what kind of, how that kind of unfolds. But I, I always, you know, give props to a studio that's willing to try something new, especially as what I feel games are just becoming consistently more and more, you know, um, kind of samey. Everything just wants to be an open world game or retro art, eight bit style, uh, Metroidvania. So, it's exciting to see someone kind of take the first-person shooter formula and reinvent it in a way that isn't just making it open world. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on disintegration. Uh, what I will say, you know, otherwise, which is just really interesting, is this game screams destiny. Everything from the character design to kind of the humor that's in the end of the trailer uh, to just, you know, the character's face. Everything about this game screams destiny. Uh, so I assume there's quite a bit of ex-Bungie talent working on this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just exciting. We're starting to see it's unfortunate as a lot of OG talent leaves 343 and Bungie and kind of goes off to do their own thing. But it's exciting because a lot of these studios are creating these new games um, that have a little bit of Halo and Destiny DNA baked into them. So if you're a fan of that kind of game, it just seems like there's just so much new stuff being spun out as a result of this talent being spread across the industry. So disintegration, I'm excited to see more of it. I assume next E3, we'll see a bunch of it. My guess is that it's a fall 2020 game, uh, but please go check out that trailer. If you haven't already, uh, if you're into halo or destiny or anything like that, you owe to yourself to just at least n be familiar and kind of verse yourself in what this game is because you, chances are you're interested in it if you like those kinds of games. All right, our next story is a little bit of a smaller one uh, pertaining to Minecraft. A little update about Minecraft. Uh, while last week brought the sad news that the Super Duper Graphics Pack had been canceled, this week we learned that Minecraft will be getting support for NVIDIA's ray tracing technology. This will allow for realistic lighting and shadowing uh, and even more. The feature will come as a free update for PCs that support the NVIDIA RTX graphics cards. Uh, and as a result, uh, sorry, and the results of this added feature will vary based on your system specs, of course. So this is cool just because, you know, we lost that super duper graphics pack, which is supposed to be on all platforms for Minecraft. Uh, but either, either, despite that not being, uh, you know, a thing that came to fruition, we're still getting this RTX ray tracing technology kind of, thing added into the PC version of the game. Now, my guess is that actually they were using this NVIDIA ray tracing technology in some rudimentary form to make the super duper graphics pack. And so a lot of these things were already on the way for the Switch, Xbox, PS4 version of the game. Uh, but when they decided that they wouldn't be able to make it work on everything, you know, including Android, iPhone, Switch, whatever, uh, and decided to scrap the game, it looks like maybe they found a way to get some of those awesome ideas and things they had worked on into the game via, you know, a PC update for the PC version of the game. So it's cool to see that if you were looking to see like a super hyper realistic, fun looking version of Minecraft, that you will be getting this feature, uh, provided that your PC can support it. But yeah, so it's, I don't know, to me, this kind of somewhat salvages the loss that that graphics pack was canceled last week. So if you're interested in Minecraft, if you were a little sore about last week's news, hopefully this will cheer you up just a little bit. Our next story is uh, the announcement of a brand new Need for Speed game. 
which is in development from Ghost Games, who made 2017's Need for Speed Payback. Uh, the new game is called Need for Speed Heat and will bring players to Heat City, a new Miami-inspired open world where street racers gathered to make their names. The game will feature customization, a full single-player mode, and a sweet in the pot. EA has already promised that there will be no loot boxes in the game. There will, however, be post-launch DLC in the form of car packs and a time-save pack, which will allow you to see on the map where all the collectibles are located. The trailer is out now if you want to take a look. It's a pretty extensive trailer, and I must admit, it looks something like Need for Speed Underground meets Forza Horizon, uh, which, in my opinion, is all good things. So this is kind of exciting news um, for Need for Speed fans, as I feel like the franchise has kind of just waned a lot in popularity over the years. Uh, 2017's Need for Speed um, was just not very, like, I'm not going to say well-received because I'm not too familiar but it just seemed like there was no buzz around it. It just came and went, and that was that. Um, but, you know, since this game's announcement a couple of days ago, I've just seen the internet, like, kind of talking about Need for Speed in a way I haven't seen in a while. So it just seems like generally, like, the buzz surrounding this game is is kind of there and that people are into it, what they see so far. Uh, so hopefully this, this is kind of the comeback for Need for Speed. I, I am a big arcade racing fan, and I love the Forza Horizon series. But it does make me sad a little bit to, you know, see something as iconic and classic as Need for Speed really struggle to uh, kind of gain its relevancy back in 2019. So hopefully Need for Speed Heat really, no pun intended, brings the heat um, and we can kind of see that franchise kind of regain a little bit of its former glory. Um, if, again, this is another example. If you, uh, this is another one of those. If you haven't checked out the trailer, please go do so. Um, even I, as someone who hasn't played the Need for Speed in a very long time, was pretty impressed with what I saw. I think the game looks great. However, I don't think that I'll be playing it because, of course, I have Forza Horizon 4, which I can just play for free thanks to Game Pass. Uh, but that doesn't mean you won't be interested in this game. If you're a big car fan, I think you, you may find a lot to love here. Um, but, yeah. And then just a funny side note, um, something I saw on Reddit earlier this week. Um, apparently, Toyota refuses to have their cars in like these kinds of games these days. Um, so Toyota won't have their cars in Need for Speed Heat. Uh, and so um, someone said on, on, I guess on Twitter, it was someone who tweeted out to Toyota, you know, why won't you guys release your games uh, or allow your cars in Forza? And they kind of gave one of those like PR like bullshit like uh oh, well, you know, uh, this game promotes illegal street racing and we want, you know, like a safe image for whatever. I guess it's not really a PR response. It's kind of a genuine response. They're trying to protect their their car's image and brand as like a family brand and not really promote illegal street racing and kind of have their cars associated with that act. Uh, and then the official Need for Speed Twitter kind of responded back to Toyota and was just like, uh, <laughs> and just called them wimps or something like that for... Um, I'm I'm butchering the story now, but it was just kind of a funny tweet. If that's something you're interested in looking up, anyway, uh, that was irrelevant information. So let's just move on to the next one, which is uh, Gears Pop is coming out, and it's actually out today. So remember Gears Pop uh, announced back at E3 uh, 2018. It was kind of like the tease. Uh, we were waiting for Gears Five to be announced, and then they teased us by showing us Gears Pop in first uh, instead. Uh, well, as of today, this game is now available on iOS and Android. The PvP action game brings the World of Gears of War and the Funko Pop art style together uh, for a free-to-play, pocketable Gears adventure. The game plays similarly to Plants vs. Zombies, uh, which is, of course, a strategy game, and it does offer microtransactions, which you might expect from any free-to-play mobile game. 
a new Boomer Buddy trailer was released today, uh, so or was released in, in addition to this news of the game's release date. Uh, and it's actually kind of a fun little short trailer. So check that out if you want to see a little charming kind of like a silent, like short in the Gears Funko Pop universe. Um, it kind of, I don't know, maybe that'll help accompany your horde of Gears news that has been released this week. Uh, but yeah, the trailer's called Boomer Buddy. It's it's cute. It's um, definitely worth the 45 seconds if you want to check that out as well. All right, then two, two final stories to wrap up. Uh, this first one being real quick one, which is that Age of Empires Definitive Edition, which was announced back at E3, is... Um, officially cross-play and is available now on both Steam and Xbox Game Pass. So, you know, if you want to download from Microsoft Store, if you have Game Pass, or if you have Steam on your PC, you can go and play Age of Empires Definitive Edition now. Uh, its sequel, though, Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, will be released on November 14th, so we now have a release date for that. Uh, and the game will be available on the same platforms, of course, Microsoft Store, Steam, and through Xbox Game Pass. If you have Game Pass, you can save 20, 25% now on Age of Empires 2 through the Microsoft Store by pre-ordering the game. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I know Age of Empires is a big game. I know a lot of kids play that game growing up, but I never really got into it. And uh, I have no interest in it, so I'm not going to really talk about it because there's literally nothing else to say. That's just some uh, straightforward info for those of you who are interested in such news. Uh, but our wrap-up story, our final story, this is actually kind of a not like super important story, but just an interesting one which is that the xbox 360 just received a new update that's right i did not misspeak i said a new system update is available for microsoft's second generation of gaming hardware which includes minor bug fixes and improvements to your console's overall experience uh, whoever the hell you are out there playing games on the xbox 360 maybe it's time to ep upgrade to the xbox one as it uh, approaches its final year of life um, but maybe you're trying to play something that isn't backwards compatible yet on your Xbox One, so I'll reserve my judgment there. Uh, my guess for this is is one of two things. So I'll get the, the, the fun one out of the way, which is just that maybe there's like a team of guys at Xbox, newer guys, and they're just like, all right, you're going to work on system updates and features, and we're going to give you a little testing task, which is to work on security and minor bug fixes on the Xbox 360. And if you do well at that, we'll move you up to the Xbox One, you know, the platform that actually matters right now. Uh, so maybe that's a thing that happened, but I, d I doubt it. I think what happened is, um, what's more likely is as these Xbox consoles, you know, become more, become more integrated with one of an one another and kind of blurred. I think what you're seeing is kind of a need for Microsoft to support older hardware in terms of system security and software because of the amount of information that's shared. And so to kind of elaborate and explain that in greater detail, what I mean to say is that, you know, the Xbox One plays Xbox 360 games, and it kind of does so through this like pseudo emulation where your Xbox One thinks it's playing, it, it thinks it's an Xbox 360 when you're like playing Xbox 360 games. Um, so maybe because of the association of your same Microsoft account that was on your 360 is on your Xbox One and you're playing 360 content on your Xbox One when you play backwards compatible games, maybe to some extent that means, you know, you have sensitive information associated with your old Xbox 360 that is now somehow able to access information via your Xbox One since those generations are so closely associated due to the nature of backwards compatibility. Uh, and perhaps this is Xbox's way of saying, you know, we still need to provide, you know, they called it minor system updates, bug fixes, but I almost wonder if it's security updates, if it's their way of saying, you know, we need to improve 
the security of the Xbox 360 because as you know we start to neglect it and kind of let it go as we move on to newer generations it becomes more susceptible to hacking and kind of uh, uh, jailbreaking and things like of that nature so by keeping the security on that console up to date and modern we're able to keep people out of uh, hacking into the Xbox 360 and gathering user information, therefore allowing them to gather information on Xbox One owners due to the kind of backwards compatibility of varying Xbox consoles. And it's a little bit of a long-winded one, but I almost wonder if that's the issue, is that Xbox has kind of backed themselves into this wall now where they have to continuously provide security and bug updates for older generations of hardware in order to keep this backwards compatibility system they have playing nicely. Um, I do wonder how Xbox backwards compatibility will work on the Scarlet, especially for Xbox One games playing on Scarlet, because I don't think this kind of licensing, like emulation thing they've that they they made up for old Xbox and within 360 games to work on Xbox One. I don't believe that's the, the system they want to use going forward. Um, so I almost wonder if there will be the appropriate hardware and licensing in the Xbox Scarlet to allow it to just be an Xbox One without the need for severe emulation. And that way they can work around the whole having to add games to backwards compatibility and the whole, you know, kind of close nature of your new Xbox still being so deeply tied back to old Xbox hardware. Um, but, you know, those are things we'll learn more about as we learn more about what Scarlet is and as we get our hands on it moving into next fall, of course. Uh, and with that, we're going to be finished with this week's news. Uh, that was, like I said, a pretty long one. Normally, we end an episode around the 45-minute mark. By the time of this recording right now, I've already hit the 50-minute mark without even getting into uh, the kind of final segments of the show. So, of course, we're going to shoot through the uh, games of the week that are releasing. So we're going to go through this a little quicker than usual just for the sake of saving everyone's time and because at this point who really gives a shit about my sarcastic remarks uh, but we do have 12 new games coming out this week so we'll start off with a pirate pirates of the first star which releases on august 19th and what's substantial about this game is you play as a a pirate squid looking into the water um, but it looks like claymation so this is basically like some moana pirates of the caribbean wannabe knockoff um, literally no idea what the gameplay is like although the game looks stupid so don't play it uh, Remnant from the Ashes is our second game of the week. Now, this is a hacky slashy game where you play as a boy with a sword and you fight against demons with axes. The funny thing about this screenshot is all the demons are like in midair, like a midair jump while they're attacking the um, main character on the ground, which leads me to believe in this world, all goblins and creatures uh, float and have, have floating and flying abilities, uh, which is fucking creepy. Uh, but that game's out on August 20th, so you can already play that. Our next game is called Rad. It is Xbox One X Enhanced, although the character on the screen that I'm looking at is so incredibly horrendously ugly that I wish it was Xbox One Dehanced so I wouldn't have to see her ugly face. All right, our next game is called Rex Rocket, which looks like a 2D, 8-bit, art-style, Mega Man knockoff, something or other, which I don't give a shit about because that's all any game ever is these days. Oh my God, buy a Nintendo Switch. It's so cool. Indie games are awesome. Uh, the next game on our list is called Smooth... Smooth Summer Games. This basically looks like a 2.5D remake of this beautiful combination of Excite Bike, Rayman Raving Rabbids, 
in Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. And that's fucking awesome. I'm going to highly recommend this game to everyone and anyone. So you're going to play as these tiny little, like, sm- little smushy sm- soldier thingies. They look like little collectible toys, plushes. And they compete in these Olympic Games, um, likely due to the fascist nature of the country they reside in, where uh, everyone is competing for resources. And so the Olympics works as an allegory for... Um, you know, uh, uh, um, fascism. All right. The next game here is all in black and white. It's called Pado box, Pado box. Um, I, it's warrior I think this is a warrior game pretty much. I think they're just releasing warrior on Xbox. And then the game after that is called mecha bolt. I was so excited to play this game when I first heard about it earlier this week. Um, apparently you play as like a theme park operator, uh, ride ops manager and, uh, and then, like, the world becomes taken over by robots, and you have to go fight and stuff. Um, but it's, like, another 8-bit 2D side platformer, Metroidvania-type-looking thing. Puzzles. So tired of it. So, so tired of it. I have no enthusiasm left for these kinds of games. I know they're so cool, and we love them, and we buy them all. But I personally am just drained of my energy and have nothing to say about those. Our right, next game is called Gift of Parthax. And while I will say I can't understand a single thing I'm looking at on the screen, this sure as hell looks like a Nintendo DS game meets RuneScape. Um, there's a mage man in a robe with lightning, and there's some, like, fish skeletons flying, and um, I just don't have it in me. Next game, Life is Strange 2, Episode 4. This is actually pretty cool. I really need to play Life is Strange 2. Uh, if you haven't seen so yet, seen it yet, shameless plug, I did a really, uh, really exhaustive... Um, kind of analytical video on the awesome adventures of captain spirit which is in the life is strange universe uh, which you should absolutely check out on my youtube at second best gaming uh however um life is strange 2 episode 4 is out this week it's out today actually so go ahead and play that if you're following these games um i'm not going to tease this game because i actually really like life is strange despite the awful campy writing that the series is known for um they somehow still make the game so engrossing and the story is so interesting and the characters so likable despite their awful personalities and awful writing so definitely check that out if you haven't played the life is strange games i highly recommend starting with the first one you can get it for like next to nothing these days it might even be on game pass just do yourself a a favor and play that game because it is an awesome um kind of adventure uh telltale style game um, but it's way better than a Telltale game, so I don't mean to insult it in that regard. Uh, coming out tomorrow is a new game called Gnome's Garden Lost Kingdom, but the screenshot is just a picture of a map. If you want to sell your game, don't show us a picture of the overall map. Maybe you show us a picture of the game. Um, you don't want to sell your game if that's what you're going to show for your screenshot, so I'm not going to waste my time talking about it. How does that work? All right, our next game is called Strength of Strength of Sword Ultimate. This basically is like Luigi's Mansion, uh, but with like a like a more realistic, or not realistic, but more of like a medieval-looking art style. There's a lot of green in this game. There's like a green glow to everything, which leads me to believe that um, when the when the art creators were making this a game in MS Paint, they ran out of all the red and blue and yellow, and they just had to use green. So the whole game is going to look green, but that's not that wasn't because they wanted to make it that way. That's just because MS Paint ran out of all the other colors. All right, and so now we get into our final game of the week, which is Path of Sin Greed. Uh, And this is a screenshot of like a a booth, and there's a football and a chair, and it looks really artsy and dark and Tim Burton-esque. And for that, I'm not going to give it the time of day. Uh, However, I will mention that game comes out tomorrow, August 23rd. So, um, you know, if you want to play it today, you're a fucking idiot because it's not even out yet. So 
How about that? You look so stupid for saying you were going to play that game today because you can't do that. Idiot. Um, okay, our next uh, thing is the games of gold. So just as a final reminder for the week for the month of August, your games are uh, Gears of War 4 for the rest of the month, the, the remaining days. If for whatever reason you don't have that game, you haven't downloaded that game, just do yourself a favor and play Gears 4. It is my favorite Gears of War game. Um, and... Uh, it's a good way to prep yourself for Gears 5. Uh, through September 15th, you've got Forza Motorsport 6, which is also an excellent simulating racing, sim racing game if you're into more like nerdy racing games. Uh, if not, just download it anyway. Get yourself some gamer score. Torchlight is no longer available for download, uh, but the other Xbox 360 game of the month, Castlevania uh, Lords of Shadows, is available for the remainder of August, so be sure to get that if you need yet another Castlevania castle Mes- much metroid much ugh, metroidvania game in your life yeah you can download that and that's gonna do it for all that junk um to wrap up this week's what i've been playing kind of segment i'll be real honest i've been so incredibly overwhelmed and in, and in, in busy this week i have not had time to play games uh which hurts because i've been wanting to play games so badly all week uh so i tried to play a little bit more of wolfenstein youngblood uh, kind of, and I think I'm just going to give up on that game because it really sucks and it's not worth my time, and I'm just going to take the L of the $30 that I spent on it and move on and play something that is worth my time. So while I wait for Gears 5, I think I'm going to go start Metro, Metro Exodus. While I wait for Gears 5 to come out, I think I'm going to go play Metro Exodus. Uh, but until then, you know, I'm that's kind of where I am with gaming right now. Um, but I'm excited for this week as I will be able to start playing some more games. All right, and that's going to do it for this week's episode of Xbox On. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you made it all the way to the end of the episode, please rate the show on iTunes. Please rate the show on iTunes. And if you haven't already, please rate the show on iTunes. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and rate the show on iTunes. And if you haven't already, uh, please tell your ex-lover about this show. Uh, this show was rated the number one podcast uh, in the world by um, follow me on Instagram at real T pain. Bye.